Hi, welcome to another episode of Podcast from the Edge, talking common sense. This is your host, Mizzy M. And today I'll be talking with Rashad, who's in development of starting a new type of school. I thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. To the program, Talking Common Sense. And would you like to let us know what got you started? Um, yeah, so pretty much, um, uh, first I was pretty much, um, I was ordained a pastor back in 2009. And um, I've, I've always had a desire and passion for education. I've, I've got my, my bachelor's degree, master's degree in religion and church planning and evangelism. And then currently I'm a PhD student in Christian leadership. So um, just, I guess, by nature, kind of like an academic and a leader in the same token. Um, so that was, I think that's the foundation of how my desire and passion towards education and starting a school began. However, it got a little bit more in detail as time went on because, and it's been it really been a, a gradual process because um, before I was primarily focused on just pastoring and ministry, ministry and things of the sort, evangelism and all that, and teaching, you know, class classes, stuff like that. But um, over the last, I would say 10, 10, 10, yeah, 10 years, I would say 10 to 15 years, the Lord has been doing a, a deeper work in my heart. And I can tell you, this may sound a little bit funny, but I would say probably back in 2016, 2017, um, I, I can't tell you a defined moment in which the Lord began to really open up my eyes about the founding of the of, of our American Republic. But I started having more interest to study about our American Republic and get more details and understanding about you know um, how we came to be. Now, this is the funny part. So in 2018, um, my wife, she's a, a Yale surgeon, by the way, um, but mm. she okay. she um, was on Wheel of Fortune um, in 2018. You're and kidding. So, um, that's serious. So um, <sighs> we was out there in California and, um, and she was on the show and everything. But I think it was the first night we were there. I had this very remarkable dream. And I remember I woke up in the morning. I said, what was that about? But let me tell you. So in the dream, I had um, I had seen in this dream. Uh, it was back. It was like I was back in the 1700s. I was sitting on a horse, and my um, pastor at the time um, he was helping me get on this horse. And I remember I was sticking my feet in these stirrups that had the American flag on it. But then, oh when I was looking, yeah. So when I was looking forward, I saw like this. Um, there were like people, but they were dressed like. In the 1700s, and they were talking about Christianity, the Constitution, and ethics. And I was just sitting there, just staring. And I remember when I woke up, I was like, "What in the world was that about?" But then the thing that was even more ontological, more tangible, rather, was I had a desire to go deeper to to look into our American history and things of the sort. So that really stirred me up. And then just over the last, definitely the last four years, I was telling my wife, "I said, man, we need to start a school." And it just grew over time. Um, oh so God. over a period of time, these different elements were being weaved in. And, you know, I went, I went back to school to get my PhD and stuff like that. And that was a part of the process and all. So I'm actually doing my my dissertation somewhat on this. But um, so anyway, so that's kind of how this desire came about, because my desire is to see young children grow up to young men and women to be not only um, scholars, but leaders, because that's what we mm -hmm. need um, in our day. Yes. So that's kind of a, a a little snapshot of what led me to this. So 
And wow, that's, that's really, I mean, I, what a dream. (laughs) I didn't even know what to say to that. I mean, I mean, how, um, I mean, that should have really, I mean, it probably did shake you up, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like it was so detailed in your dream and mm-hmm. you were able to see things and hear voices and be a part of conversations, which probably at that time, if you think about it, they were very much rooted um, based in religion and Christianity, mm-hmm. right? Like um, our Magna Charta was the first, you know? Yeah. Um, piece of a of a real document um if you think about the people who came from the mayflower and from all these you know i mean just it was all really based on those christian beliefs so yep. i mean that's that really blows me away <laughs> wow yeah um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a when when people say that god's giving you a purpose <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that that's that's a purpose, you know. That's your purpose in life, I think, to give to open the doors and give opportunity yeah. to children for that, Absolutely. you know. Wow. Yep. Okay, so now I want to ask you, I know you're still in the design phase mm-hmm. of this type of curriculum and education system, but are you trying to start a school based on the principles that's similar to um what Hillsdale College is offering, or are you trying to start based on some other type of founding principle? Yeah, so um, the the philosophy that um, I'm applying is called the principle approach. It's basically it's it's defined as being American um, classical. So the principle approach primarily it has seven principles that undergirded and. I'll just give you a brief rundown of them. So um, the first, the very first, the very first principle is the principle of individuality. And this is drawn from, first of all, because everything it emanates from God. So God is an individual, but of course, uh, Christian theology says he's, he's an individual, but he revealed himself in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But also throughout creation, you see this principle of individuality just embedded. Um, you can see it just in our own human personalities, how different we are as individuals. Um, and also you can even see it down into nature, how um, there's no snowflake that's the same. And these are just different principles we can draw from within creation, which also highlights the point of being made in God's image and likeness, which we are like the, we are the crown jewel of creation, of course, and that's fully realized in Jesus Christ. So the principle of individuality is one of the principles. The second principle is um, the principle of, uh, I call it Christian self-government. And this is incredibly important because our American Republic is based off this very principle. When you read the writings of Madison, we read the writings of Adams, we read the writings of uh, Benjamin Rush. Um, so many of the founding fathers understood this because when you ask the fundamental questions about what what is liberty, you have to begin to ask the question, what is that hinged upon? And it's hinged upon moral responsibility. Without moral responsibility, you don't have liberty, you have lawlessness. So self-government first begins with the person. And then as you as you as I'll share in a second, it it goes further out from that, the individual to the family, to the church, and to the actual state, the civil government. The third principle is the principle of 
Christian character, which is very similar to it's is it's tied to the self-government aspect. But the the importance of Christian character simply is um when you read the writings of John Adams, he talks about how our constitution is made for a moral and religious people. You read Samuel Adams, he talks about how often uh, the need for virtue in America. And the reason why it all comes back to this pinch of this principle of individuality, because we're individuals and we're given this freedom. So in order to maintain the very freedom and liberty that we have, we have to behave in a virtuous manner. Because if you do not, guess what's going to stay with and get more control. So um, the principle of Christian character is incredibly important. And these are all principles that I would would dare say they were, they, they precede 1776. I mean, you got to think that the colonies were formed in the 1600s, going back to the pilgrims. So they understood this back then. In fact, the pilgrims, you can say was the first self-governing people. Um, but nevertheless, I, let me go on. I can talk forever about that. So no, no, this uh, is so fascinating, Rashad. Seriously. Thank you, thank you. Um, and one one thing, one thing I would share too, and this is something for anyone who listens. If you were to look up the term uh, character in the New Testament, now what I mean the, the term character, not characteristics like you know virtue or love or kindness or humility, but the term character. The term character. In the Greek is only found one time. And guess what it's describing? I can tell you. I'll, I'll give you the answer to the question, to the quiz. It's found in Hebrews chapter one, verse three. Now, in the English, you're not going to see it, but in the Greek, you can see it. The term, it, the term that it describes, or the phrase it describes, is when it says that um it's describing Christ as being the exact imprint of his nature. And it's talking about how Jesus is the exact nature or it's the same nature as God, the exact representation of God. That's where we get the term, our English term character from. And that should be a clue because it's the only time you use the New Testament. So when we think about character, it all goes back to God. It goes back to who is, how his character is revealed to us and it's revealed to us through Christ. So that's another little tidbit of the principle of Christian character. Um, The fourth aspect is, or the fourth principle is the conscience that conscience is the most sacred of all property. And this really is drawn from our third president, James Madison. This is what he said back in 17, I want to say 1789 or so. I can't remember that date. But anyway, the thing that we have to understand is, yes, we value, we should value our own private property, but beyond private property is our conscience. And this is one of the things that um, for me, it really, it really hit home during COVID because I'm also a federal worker. But mm-hmm. when I was going through, was going through the COVID crisis, and they were mandating the vaccine and stuff like that, and I even wrote a paper about this. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trying to say if you don't get the vaccine, then you're going to lose your job or blah 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 blah. Right. And and my wife was even being threatened with that. So we realized, like, wait a minute, we don't want to take this experimental drug, right? right. So. Why should I take this? It's a violation of what? My conscience. So right. um, this principle is not something that I made up, but it's something that 
the under the founding fathers understood because their consciences were being violated by King George. They understood. Right. Yes. So um, not only was their property being confiscated, but also their conscience with his tyrannical ways. So this is another principle of the principle of importance of the conscience being the most sacred of all property. Um, the fifth principle is dealing with uh, the principle of the seed of the local government. And this is, is, is this kind of goes back to um, the principle of self-government, but it's another branch of it now. When you start looking at um, how our nation was set up, but then even more so branching out from self-government and you start looking at family government. Because within the principal approach, and we even been talking about this as a vision team, we're not a replacement for the parents. And so the parents right. are, you You guys are the, the first line of defense. We just, all we're doing is coming alongside you and helping raise your child up in the things of God and understanding also these very critical principles of um securing our republic because if you don't then you know everything goes awry so the 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 principle of the seed government it branches out to the family and also to the local government wherever you live in municipalities and stuff like that because we got to understand like these these ideas now they, they were around with um the Greeks and the Romans they had city states but it's a little bit different because they was not drawing their inspiration from God because they put themselves as pretty much the the focus of all attention. Whereas um, American classical education, rather, I will say this, um, the principal approach puts puts the focus on the Hebraic uh, perspective of of us uh, getting our revelation or inspiration from God from the from the Word of God from the Scriptures. So, but anyway, the seated local government is primarily dealing with. <clears throat> Um, the family government, church government, and then also civil government. And um, uh, the sixth principle is the aspect of civil government. And then this is very pretty critical. I actually wrote an op-ed about this uh, recently. Um, The one thing that we have to understand about civil government is when you start thinking about civil law, we have to ask the question, what is civil law predicated upon? In other words, where do we draw our inspiration from creating civil laws? Like, for instance, if somebody goes out there and murders somebody or steals, why do we consider that to be wrong? And the reason why is because it's based off the moral law. Where does the moral right. law come from? It didn't come from us. It came it from God, from, really, from right? God, yeah. God is the creator of the moral law. So his law is, it's all, it's, is this something that we, we try to make clear? This is why the principle is so, is so critical because we were teaching children that God is in everything. We're not pantheists, but in other words, we're seeing his principles, his, his ideas, the way he has created us, the way he has embedded his uh, principles in creation all around us. Even though we live in a very, very secular society, the secular society is borrowing from the law of God without even realizing it. In fact, I actually actually gave a testimony about this at the state about a month ago. I was dealing with the issue of abortion. And one thing I, I said to the to the state, I told, them, I, I told them, I said, you know, when it comes to this particular issue, you know, we have to ask the question, where does the moral law come from? You know, is it right or wrong? to kill a child and things of the sort. So, um, and because we're making civil injunctions that say it's okay. So when I say all that, um, the principle, uh, the Christian idea of civil government, it's flowing from this idea that the moral law is the basis of our law system. 
Um, if, and if it's not, then everything goes away, goes awry rather. So that's that principle. And the last principle is the principle of unity, which pretty much is a reflection of the nature of God revealed in his trinity and revealed in the Trinity, as we as I said earlier, how God is one, although he reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's a picture of how we are supposed to be as people, although we have a ton of differences, we should be able to unite upon the very principle that we all can agree upon, um, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not. So um, that's in a nutshell what the principle approach entails. I know it's a lot, but you know that's pretty what it entails. Well, that's probably why now that I think about it, when people go up in a trial, you know, they put their hands on the Bible, mm-hmm. right, and they say their that oath to be truthful. In that witness box, you know, when all witnesses. So that's because you never, you know, you don't really think about those things like that. You just take it for granted when you watch something, you know, like a trial taking place. And you're just taking it for granted that people are just saying the truth under oath, you know. Yep. And they make that oath, you know, on the hand of a Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think the the reality is this is like when you start really and this is one of the aspects of the principal approach is trying to to get children to understand the importance of critical thinking about, because there's so much we we take for granted. We just, we just, you know, we don't really think much about, but when you start thinking about the, the, the basics of life, right and wrong, the reality of objectivity, like we all can agree that murder is wrong, but why do we agree that murder is wrong? Like, why do we have that in us? Why do we agree that rape is wrong? It, these different aspects of lying, stealing, you know, cheating on your wife, adultery, all these different things, we all can make an assessment and say, this is wrong, but why do we, why do we know this? You know, we don't have to be taught this per se. It's like, it's embedded within you. So um, it's, it's so clear. Um, But of course, in our day, unfortunately, within a secular society, largely, we play games with it. Um, Although there's still civil penalties that are subject. Right, right. So you really have this back to basics approach mm-hmm. when it comes to how you see the structure of the curriculum in the school and also in terms of um, maybe t- uh, teaching civics, right, um, to the kids. So they're learning about the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and and basically the principles that the founding fathers laid out there. Yep. Okay, that's, that's great. Now... Yep. Um, what is the difference then between this American classical education or principles based on that versus what they have in Europe? Well, I think the 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 biggest difference with um, and this is really like very general, but because the, the truth is the founding fathers they also learned from uh, Roman and Greek thought. I mean, they reference it in their own individual writings, but uh, when it comes to uh, biblical classical education, we pretty much start first with the Bible, whereas the, mm-hmm. the Greeks and the Romans, they primarily began with self. Um, everything pretty much terminated on themselves, although there was a lot of good wisdom that came from that. Um, but they they didn't really incorporate what, how we would call God, God. You know, they believed in various different gods into the sort. Right. Um, um, so that is a a, a big difference. Now, I know there's out there, there's different, you know, classical uh, Christian schools, and and there are a lot of good ones out there. So it's, it's not like we're 
you know, throwing shade at them, nothing like that. But right. our approach is a little bit different than how they're going about things. Like for us, we're not really incorporating Latin or the sort of like that in there. And a good portion of what we are um, pushing and uh, trying to get through is developing godly character along with robust academics, scholarly academics. Now, of course, as um, when it comes to like civics and things of the sort, there's only so much you can teach like a kindergartner, right? So yes, um, you can teach yes. some basics and everything. But as they get older and they get more mature, yes, it'll be a lot of um, researching and and teaching regarding the Declaration, the Constitution, the Mayflower Common Plaque, all those different ideas. But not only those ideas that we so so well know about, but we also need to learn about who our founding fathers were. I mean, a lot of us just think about Franklin, Jefferson, you know, um, George Washington, but there are over 60 of them. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that. And we don't know their stories. And then generally when we're usually told in, in today's day, um, we usually hear, especially from our secular world, our good friends out there, is that bodies men were racist and they were slave masters and things of the sort. And that's just not true. Some of them were, uh, they did own, own slaves. Some of them were, other, other, others of them did not. And some of them were right. against the slave trade. And so we want to paint that, that total picture and really begin to introduce um, what they what they were thinking in their writing. So yes, that incorporates the civic aspect, um, but also understanding the connection, not just understanding civics, but understanding civic virtue within the civic. Because the truth is we can learn all day long about all the legal aspects of the constitution and of the declaration. But if we miss the, the, the core point of what I pointed out earlier is the character aspect. I mean, we're pretty much shooting ourselves in the foot. Right. What do you envision the school to have um, in terms of the grade level? Is it going to be from, um, you know, elementary school, middle school, um, primary school, or high school? Like, what do you want to start with right now? I tell you, if I had a large budget, <laughs> it would be K-12, but... Right. Um, Right now, we're we're shooting for kindergarten through second grade, and then um, year after year, adding an additional grade um, all the way to twelfth grade. So, um, I mean, and that's 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 right now. But to give you somewhat of a, a broader scope of what we're planning on doing, uh, we want to have these principal approach schools across the state of Connecticut. So um, that's the goal. Like my, I'm a visionary, so I can't help it. This is who I am. So. Um, it, it, it's a matter of the way I think about it is, of course, say if you're in the Shelton or if you're in Naugatuck or whatever, you know, most people that live in, you know, New London is not going to travel that far. Right. So mm-hmm. um, and, and so we're looking at the state of Connecticut and saying, OK, we want to strategically place these schools in locations that everyone will have access to because they are extremely unique. They're not like your traditional Christian school is just different and it's different than a classical school in a, in the sense of traditional classical Christian education. They're just, is different. So um, again, the focus of yes, learning a biblical, getting a strong biblical education along with character development and leadership ability in learning our Republic, our Republican, not, not political, Republic yes, in. yes, but of course. Yeah. Our, we are our, a republic. Yes. Yes. We are a representative republic, but understanding what that means and the responsibility of that. So 
our goal is to have principal approach schools across the, across the um, state of Connecticut. And I would say, yes, the focus is the students, but we also know that mom and dad probably need to be up to speed too on these principles because most people are totally in the dark when it comes to, because we haven't been taught them. Right. Well, what fascinating conversation uh, that we just have. (laughs) I mean, starting from your, I mean, I, when you were telling me about your dream, all I could think about was Rick Warren's book, A Purpose Driven Life. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what I feel like this conversation should be called, A Purpose Driven Life. And mm-hmm. it was just um, shown to you by God, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's so rare. Um, okay. So usually I'd like to end the interviews with asking you, what is your one good piece of common sense that you would like to share with our audience? Man, there's a lot. Mm, and this day, please. All right, well, oh. give me two. <laughs> You'll be the exception. Um, if anyone if anyone knows me personally, they will tell you that, um, as I tell them, that prayer is essential. Um, right. Without prayer, like, this is a thing. This is a thing, and I can tell you so many stories about this, but when it comes to a not and I, when I mean prayer, I'm not just talking about having a minute or two there with God. I'm talking about spending time with Him and allowing Him to um, stir our hearts, to, to um, renew our minds, and just have fellowship with. Him. You know, I, I'll give you an example. Every Saturday, I have a prayer meeting every Saturday, and um, man, it's Saturdays are the best day to be because me and the group that I'm, that, I, that I lead. We go in and we pray, we fellowship, and it's so refreshing. We, we do this about, about two hours on a Saturday morning, and it feels like two minutes. And the reason why I say this is common sense is because when you look around, when you look at our creation and you see the vastness of, of, of the hand of God and the reality of, of our very detailed, meticulous creation, that He and He knows every aspect of who we are, and then He gives us the opportunity to approach him and talk with him. I mean, that is a commonsensical thing to do. Um, it, and it's so incredible when you start talking about the gospel and everything too, but that's my first point. Number two, I think the second point, and I can go so many ways with this, but is to understand what truth is. Um, and we kind of touched on this a little bit during the episode, is to really think about the reality in which we live, the right and wrong, the moral aspects, and really consider, like, why do I think X, Y, and Z is right? And why do I think X, Y, and Z is wrong? Where do I get my moral basis from? What authority is it uh, behind? What is it rooted in? These different ideas are critical because today in our day, I mean, we're making up stuff that's just totally ridiculous, um, that has no no validity. So I guess the, the, the things is just really consider um, the authority of God and how his hand is in creation and how the word of God is so critically important to understand, to know, and to stand on. Um, if you do, I believe the Lord will lead you with the be. Well, let me also ask you a question since you've mm-hmm. mentioned about truth and reality and needing more prayer, and yep. you're really focusing on the individual and his and her rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're saying that it branches out to the family and then the church and then the mm-hmm. local and state governments and all that. Um, why do you think there's such a push in in our times right now um, to um, sort of 
have all these um, issues with gender and trying to expose um, children to these issues of, um, you know, transition, transitional uh, genderisms. And um, Mm -hmm. why do you think that is? Are are they trying? Yeah, I know it is. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you think it's a way? Well, I mean, do you think it's a way to break down the family structure? Absolutely. I think it's intentional. Um, and, and this is one of the things about common sense. I was even talking to my wife earlier about this. You know, we live in a day where, um, again, when you remove God out the mix, when you remove the moral law, even though you can't remove it, but when you attempt to, you get the type of confusion that we have because everything, this is a basic term, becomes relative. It's whatever you want it to become instead of the objectivity, what God has built into creation. So when it comes to the ideas of transgender men or women, there is is no such thing that's in the imagination. And it's based off of emotional feelings and everything. And I get all the fact that some kids or some studies show that they feel feel that way since a child and things of this sort, but it doesn't make it true. And then you have to ask the question, like, when God created man and woman, man and women, and we all know we, we were adults here, but we know how we were created and mm-hmm. we know how life comes to pass. It's impossible for someone to change the opposite to the opposite sex. It's just it, just, it can't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and let alone and this, this kind of gets into the evolutionary aspect, um, because when you're trying to transition, per se, and you're getting all these different surgeries done and whatever, whatever it may be. You're still not dealing with your soul. You got to think about that. It's you can't you can't trans your soul. The only way that your soul can be changed is through regeneration. Then it's through faith in Christ and repentance. And what we're trying to do, I think, in my way, in my view, I think it's a counterfeit. I think the transgender stuff is a counterfeit regeneration because when one is regenerated by Christ, you become a new creature. And when you become a new creature, um, you want to walk after His commandments. And what's happening in um, our culture is this transitioning that does not want to walk after God's commandments, but it want to walk, but, but wants to walk after our own commandments and own whims and make our own laws apart from the established law. So, in my view, I think it's a flat out it's a it's a spiritual delusion what we're seeing today. I can look back. I mean, I've been out of high school for twenty five years, and this stuff wasn't even thought of back when I was in high right, school. Right, right. I mean, you wouldn't even. Think about it. I mean, even when it comes when it came to the homosexual issue, if you were a homosexual, you were generally in the closet. So, um, but nowadays, it's almost as if when, it, when you start talking about the the transgender issue, the homosexual issue, or uh, they're like a privileged class now. You can't say anything, or you'll get canceled. And it's mm. it's kind it's kind of it, it's a kind of contradiction within their own ideology because they're all about diversity, diversity, inclusion, inclusion, and equity. But if you say something, that diversity is out the window. So it's not a diversity in the sense of diversity of thought. It's a diversity of race and, mm. and, and sexuality. So, again, all this goes back to understanding the essence of law and objectivity and what's consistent and what's not consistent. And nowadays, we're living in a world of confusion. Um, right. and, I, and I would say, I would dare say, cultural bullying on top of that. So Right, right. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that you took some time to uh, do this interview. Um, it was, I, I, I really found it quite fascinating and just um, a lot of ways 
Um, it kind of brings you back to the basics. I mean, that's all I could say really, you know, about why we're here, um, our purpose. And um, I, I really thank you so much for participating. Well, thank you for having me on. And um, it's a joy. I love talking about uh, what we're doing. Um, and the school's going to be called United America Christian Academy, by the way. Okay. Um, so, yeah. The, and, you know, when it comes to these principles, they're, they're critical. Um, and it's really, once you understand how they're woven into our republic, it just makes sense. And if you if you disregard them, you're going to have what you're going to have. You're going to have tyranny right, right. right now or, or soft tyranny. at the. Well, I hope you the really, I just hope the best of luck for you and your endeavor. And it, um, you know what? I really feel like what they say, you know, what God wants, usually it happens, you know? And I Amen. think this is something that we all need in this time to have this Amen. type of school, this type of support for our children emotionally and academically. Yes. So I thank you so much for bringing this to the forefront. No problem. Thank you for, thank you for having me on. Okay, thank you, Rashad.